Hey, everyone. Before we officially begin our show, I just want to say that this was probably one of the funniest shows that I have done yet. Um, all of us that were calling in, we had a we, we were calling in from three different places and all of us had our dogs with us. So in theme of making space to be our most authentic selves, which is really the theme of this episode, a lot of these funny moments will remain in the show and even in the outro music. You're welcome and enjoy. And one last thing before we get started with our show, this episode was pre-recorded at an earlier date and we'll mention data and events that are now outdated. Thanks and enjoy. Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I am with my co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. And I just forgot. I remember I wanted to share something on the show, but I just recently got this really long email from from someone just today from Hawaii. And she was just thanking us. Actually, maybe maybe I can just pull it up real quick. I'm just going to do this really quick. So people have been reaching out to us, Nani, and just sharing how much they've loved the show. So I want to give a quick shout out to Rochelle Concepcion. She actually reached out to me. She's saying aloha. She's from, uh, she's currently in Hawaii. And she shared this long email to me about how much she's loved the show and how inspiring it's been to hear voices of so many different types of Filipino American women. She's also especially enjoyed our perspectives on things, Nani. And she is hoping to connect with other Panais who are also searching for inspiration as she navigates the complexities of adulthood, career, and family. She's currently a clinical psychologist working for the U.S. Army. So go Army. My my husband was an Army officer vet. So go Army. (laughs) Rochelle, I just want to give a shout out to you. And for people that comment in, I want to start making a habit of Uh, For people that reach out, I want to start making a habit of featuring your messages and stuff on our show. So, Nani, I know that you've had a couple of people reach out to you as well, right, on uh, Instagram? I have, yeah. I want to say aloha, Rochelle, and shout out to you. Since I have taken over the Instagram here, I have gotten a couple of messages. Well, there were the two that you had sent me, Jen. Mm Mm-hmm. Those were people that were recommending other people to be on the show, but we've gotten we've gotten quite a few. So thank yeah. you guys for reaching out, and thank you guys for also recommending people that you think have significant stories that you you specifically want to hear about on the show. That's good feedback for us, and we want to interview people, obviously, that you guys want to hear their stories. So that's that's helpful for us. 
Yes. And so we are listening to you and we appreciate every comment and message. And we may not always be able to get cover all of them, but I think we'll start making it a habit to mention a couple of them at the beginning of every show. And I want to apologize to Rochelle. I, her, her name is spelled R-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. So I believe it's pronounced Rochelle. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Rochelle. Yeah, so Rochelle, just want to let you know that we see you we and we appreciate you reaching out to us. And I look forward to, I will be responding to your email soon. I just figured I might as well get part of it out of the way on the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, Nani. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our show. And every time we have a show, it's super exciting because it means that we have another incredible woman in our community to interview. But we have a special treat today because we don't just have one person that we're interviewing. We have two people, and these two are actually sisters. And so I want to tell you a little bit about them. We have sisters Nikki Magtoto and Monica Magtoto on our show today. Nikki is an educational policy analyst and equity facilitator, and Monica is an artist, brujita, yoga instructor, and Reiki practitioner. These are sisters born, raised, and serving communities in San Francisco. Their ancestors are from the Philippines, Mexico, Cabo Verde, and Ireland. They are deeply dedicated to their city, their people, and stand boldly as Filipina-American women of mixed ancestry. Nikki and Monica, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. Awesome. Why don't we start with you sharing, how did you hear about the project? And most importantly, what inspired you to be on our show today? Awesome. So this is Nikki, and I actually got a message from our dear Nani, who had gotten my name from Rhea, otherwise known as Urban Ohana who I had the pleasure of working with this summer in one of the sessions that I was facilitating around sort of courageous conversations and professional learning based in kind of equity-centered practices. I had a great experience with Rhea. And so as soon as I got the message, I thought, okay, this sounds really awesome and like a really cool opportunity. And I was very honored that she referred me. And so as I kind of checked in with Nani about the process, I immediately thought I would love to do this with my sister. My story does not really exist without her story. And so we got to chatting a little bit and I kind of convinced her we needed to do this. So <laughs> so you forced her. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm the older sister. I can force her to do a lot, but now that she is the yoga teacher and the Reiki practitioner, she can really whoop me in the shape in certain settings, if you know what I mean. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. Like fix your downward dog, girl. The power back. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I, I'd love to hear from Monica as well. Yeah. I mean, Nikki told me about the project and I was like, uh, uh, I don't want to do, I don't want to be on the radio, but <laughs> she, <laughs> but she just convinced me that it would be a good opportunity for us to kind of share our stories. And we've each had our own experiences uh, with the Filipino American community and they're really different. And it was just an opportunity to kind of share that and maybe help folks who have had similar experiences or feel isolated in some way to feel not so alone. Yes, absolutely. Well, we appreciate both of you uh, for being on the show today. And I think it's just 
a, a treat for us to have, have you both here. Let's go ahead and talk about, this show is really dedicated to individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'd love for both of you to uh, share a little bit about your family background. I know in our, in our introduction to you, you have mixed ancestry. So I'd love to hear about your family background and why you identify as Filipino American women today. Okay, forgive us if we do a little pause. We're trying to decide who's going to go first here. So I'll take that as the eldest. Our father came over from the Philippines when he was four. He's the youngest of four. And his dad was actually able to come to the U.S. because he served for the U.S. in World War II, as many of our sort of kinfolk here did. He did march in the Bataan Death March during Japanese occupation of the Philippines and continued to serve for a while. But eventually he landed in San Francisco, worked as a custodian and a chef and brought his family of four boys and his wife over to the U.S. And several aunties and uncles. Yes. we. There is one house here in San Francisco that almost every Meg Toto landed in when they first got here, of course. Mm. And then on our mother's side of the family, our maternal grandmother is half Filipino, half Cape Verdean or from Cabo Verde, which is an island that belongs to Portugal off the coast of Africa. So it's pretty pretty interesting because it's an Afro-Portuguese kind of mix of folks. Mm-hmm. And then our maternal grandfather was Mexican and Irish. So we are a very Bay Area mix of different identities with a pretty significant portion of that being Filipino. My mom and her father like to say that we are Heinz 57. Which, if you didn't get that reference, is like the sauce steak sauce. With a bunch of other sauces in it. Yes. Actually, I feel like I have been referenced that as well. When I was younger, someone told me to describe myself as that. That's so funny that you said that. (laughs) I didn't understand what it meant at the time, but later in life, I was like, huh? (laughs) It's definitely not a thing that's used anymore, but it was when, when I was at least a kid. Yeah, no, someone has said that to me in life. I remember that. Well, I'm ashamed to say that I don't, I don't know that reference, so... But I hope our <laughs> listeners do. I hope our listeners do. <laughs> you can Google it if you don't. It's yeah. fine. No pressure. I will. I will. I'll look at it later. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess this is Nikki. For me, growing up, I was kind of always all of those things. But when it comes down to how I show up in spaces as an adult, I very much show up based on what I need to, what perspective I need to hold during mm-hmm. When I'm in that space, and more often than not, it's been as the Filipina, as the Pacific Islander, or as the Asian American in the room. But that's my experience. This is Monica, and I, however, do not identify as Asian American, because I don't feel that I have the same lived experiences as other Asian Americans. And Mm -hmm. I show up as a mixed bag, and you get what you get, whether you get fancy talk Monica or street talk Monica is all dependent on your attitude when you walk in the room. And (laughs) my experience has been really different because I'm not in as advanced of a professional setting as Nikki is. I don't wear office clothes. So I think that the context in which people see me and learn about my heritage is a little bit different from Nikki's too. 
That's really interesting considering that you're sisters. And I mean, I have a sister as well. And we could say that we have a lot of common, but in reality, we live completely separate lives. So most of my upbringing, I, I did have a mix of like diverse friends, but for the most part, I was attracted to the Filipino community. So kind of had a love, love, hate relationship with it for most of my life. But for the most part, I always ended up coming back to it and having like Filipino friends and what have you. But with my sister, she, she always was, she's five years younger than me. And she, we never really talked about like our like ethnic background or anything. But one thing I noticed about her growing up is that she always had a diverse group of friends. I didn't really see her with a lot of Filipinos, at least until recently when she had decided to run a, a Filipino women produced and run play in, in New York. And I was actually kind of surprised that she was doing that because I wasn't sure how important her Filipino heritage uh, was to her. It, it seemed like she was really a child of the world because she's she's a world traveler and and everything. And I wasn't sure, but it is kind of interesting that you come from the same, you may come from the same household, but you could be two completely different people. And so I appreciate you both sharing like kind of your perspective and, and how you identify, whether it is a Filipino American woman or just of mixed ancestry. And I think that's the beauty of really our experience overall is that we have so many different cultures that we juggle with that we can choose. Like I know with Nani and Nani, you could probably chime in on this, but I know that you've been heavily involved in the Filipino American community, especially with this podcast. I'm kind of curious if you identify more as Filipina than you do with your Russian heritage. Yeah, a hundred percent. On one of the previous episodes that we've done, I talked a little bit about my grandma on my Russian side and how up until her dying day, which she just passed away in 2017, so not that long ago. And mind you, I was very close with all, I'm very close with all of my family. So my grandma on my Filipina side was like a second mom to me. She was super, super close. My grandma on my mom's side is also very close. Like I saw her just as much. It's just, we had a different type of bond, I guess you could say. And up until her dying day, every single time that she saw me, which was Often, she would ask me the same question. She would always ask me, do you feel related to us the way that you feel related to your dad's side of the family? Mm -hmm. And I would always just get so frustrated like with that question because I spent just as much time with my mom's family as I did with my dad's. It was just a completely different dynamic. And mm -hmm. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I've never led with it because I don't want to offend my mom's side of the family, but I do identify and I have always identified more with my Filipina side just because the culture, I guess, was so much more prominent in my life. And I'm not really sure why, I guess, but yes, to answer your question. <laughs> Yeah. And I think just what you said about like just the Filipino culture was just more prominent in your life. And I think that yeah. I think naturally we tend to adapt to the most dominant culture that around us. And, you know, for me, even though I my mom told me that I used to speak Tagalog when I was a kid, but because. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I'm surprised too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, me too. <laughs> I was like, wow, really? And, but born in an American base, a military American base, and I was constantly just around Americans. And so today I'm really just what I call a coconut. I'm very Americanized on the inside, and but I just happen to be brown and Filipino uh, on the outside. And so 
Well, I very much appreciate hearing your stories considering I've been listening and Nani and I had kind of chatted a little bit about her being a mestiza as well, but getting to hear a little bit more about it is, is really cool. I would just say that we were, in my opinion, we were really lucky in that like our family, they never necessarily made us feel less than or less Filipino, but when other Filipinos beyond our family were the folks that we were interacting with or engaging with, I personally struggled a little bit more. I know that the fact of the matter is that we actually went to dual immersion school in San Francisco. So we learned to read and write in English and Spanish at the same time. And that was a pretty common thing in the 80s and 90s here. A lot of immersion schools kind of popped up. And so we ended up having really diverse classmates. My particular group of classmates, who many of them had younger siblings in Monica's class as well, a lot of them were mixed race, different mixed race. So we, as a group, identified first and foremost by being from a particular neighborhood. Eventually, the schools we went to were how we identified ourselves, what middle school, what elementary, what high school. And so that became almost the primary way in which we differentiated ourselves from others. And it wasn't until I really kind of took a step back and said, oh, I only went to school with a handful of Filipino kids. And beyond them, it was just our cousins, our aunts, our uncles that were part of that community for me. All right. Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American-woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. I would definitely second that. Yeah, and for this is Monica. For me, the, you know, the same, we grew up in a, we had a, a lot of really mixed friends and I grew up a little bit, I think more Latino adjacent. My friend group had, a, I had a lot more Latino friends. And so we live adjacent to the Latino Cultural Heritage District in San Francisco, the mission. And so we spent a lot of time there. And so I was steeped a lot more in Mexican American and Latino American culture than in Filipino culture. And the times we did experience the Filipino culture was with our family and they were pretty much the only Filipinos we really knew. Mm-hmm. So that was our dose of culture. And it was like every weekend with our families. And then during the week, 
with our friends and in the neighborhood. And so those were the primary cultural experiences that I had growing up. And as an adult, learning to navigate Filipino spaces, especially being an artist right now in the city, is just really interesting. And so there's a lot going on in the Soma Filipinas, trying to kind of recreate this heritage district for Filipinos in San Francisco. And as an artist, I've been pulled in and called in to do work around being Filipino American. And there's been a lot of push and pull in that experience. And a lot of, at first, I felt very purposefully excluded from that community when I tried to enter it on my own. And now that I'm being invited in by others, it's just a very interesting and different experience from what we had growing up. I I find that interesting how you mentioned that you kind of felt excluded. And now you've you've been essentially invited. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but a lot of my experience with the Filipino community is just kind of going in and out of it and in and out of it. Sometimes I love it. And then sometimes I don't love it as much. (laughs) And there are times where I, I, I put all my heart and passion into things. And then I felt like I got burned, criticized and what have you. And I would just be like, F this. And it was only until I created this project, the Filipino American Women Project, where I was like, maybe I just need to create something for myself because these communities, like even though we are of Filipino heritage or descent and we share that in common, like everyone has their own interpretation of being Filipino. And sometimes that's not the most dominant thing. Not not everyone is gung-ho to be Filipino, you know what I mean? And right. so I, I felt like in the recent years and just the last three years, I was like, I just I probably just need to create something for myself and figure it out like on my own terms, as opposed to like diving into someone else's interpretation of their Filipino experience. And so, yeah, so I think it's very, it's very interesting. I appreciate you bringing that up and and now how you're trying to maneuver through now that you've been invited to be involved <laughs> in this. Yeah. This is Nikki. I just want to interject and say that To me, there's kind of this resurfacing of something that was going on in the late 90s when I was in kind of towards the end of high school, which is that there was this huge sort of upswell in the Bay Area of young 20-something Filipinos trying to support teenagers like myself in developing a sense of identity. So I was a part of a youth program that doesn't exist anymore this summer program to expose me to some identity development and also college access. So many of those folks are still really important people in my life that I went through this program with, but it was very, very much this sort of trying to center some sort of common identity as Filipinos, which I feel like I'm seeing now 20-somethings resurface again and try to support folks in defining this identity. And so I think it's really interesting because now some of the folks who are like founders in the ethnic studies movement across California and trying to get ethnic studies built or developing ethnic studies in San Francisco Unified are these same 20 somethings who were trying to support me back then. And now they're like 40 and have kids of their own. So I'm just seeing this similar sort of sense of wanting to find a common identity, yet knowing there's so many intersectional aspects of who we are that folks like Monica, some of her friends and other artists that she's worked with are kind of juggling this, well, where do I fit? Where do I not fit even as adults? It's, it is kind of interesting. It's not, it's not kind of interesting. It's really interesting. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like we're not going to solve it today, but it definitely is something worth contemplating about, right? Yeah. I mean, on the other side of things, like I, this is Nikki, I am 
someone who works in the education world, and I've been really fortunate to be a part of communities. I actually just completed this really awesome fellowship for educational leaders of color, where I just being present as a Filipino woman is like this huge gain in and of itself, this huge opportunity to model and kind of live in my authentic skin and be who I am. But I know that's not everyone. Mm-hmm. In many ways, the, the week I spent with Rhea, I didn't have to declare who I was, but just being there was enough. Yet there are other times where I know it needs to be more than just being there that would really give folks an opportunity to to see themselves reflected, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It, I, I'm not, can't come to me and ask me about like Filipino history. I'd be like the worst at explaining <laughs> history to you. But I feel like and this is what I do on the show. I just, I just talk and I just share my, my own stories. And that seems to be enough for people to be like, okay, cool. Like this is a show I want to listen to because Jen doesn't have it figured out either. <laughs> so I'm cool with that. I think that it's exactly about that is just us saying like we don't have the answers but here's my story here's where I'm at here's where I've what I've been through what I've experienced and just through doing that it's not like we have to be therapists or psychiatrists for people it's just that's healing for them to hear Mm -hmm. us talk about our our honest experience because they also share it too and the reality is the generations that are coming after us are are repeating that And so if we don't want them to experience what we've experienced or feel the, the pain or discomfort that we've felt our whole lives, Mm -hmm. it's crucial that we do that. And that's the only way it's going to happen because it doesn't happen in our households and in our families. And that's kind of what we've all established now. So yeah, I, I agree on that. I definitely, I don't know if it's specific to the Bay Area or California or what, but I agree with how you guys were describing that. We kind of identify ourselves by where we went to school. I mean, I'm 27 years old, and when I meet new people, people still ask me, oh, so you're from the Bay. Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to middle school? That's just like how we identify. And I also can relate on growing up. I definitely only knew Filipino culture through my family. I didn't have a lot of other Filipino-American friends. They were mostly either from the African-American community or the Latin community. So yeah, I can also identify with that. It's definitely definitely a mixing pot here. But it's important, again, like I was originally saying, that we share our experience because there's so much of it that, that intertwines and overlaps. I was just going to say, I appreciate this because I think about the work that Monica and I have been doing. We're each kind of holding and creating space for people in different capacities. And this project in and of itself, Jen and Nani, is a, certainly a way that you're holding space and kind of memorializing these stories and these conversations. So I definitely appreciate it. And I'm really, really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you so much. And I was just thinking when you were talking about the organizations that tried to teach a similar Filipino identity, I lived in San Diego, I'm currently in Virginia. But I remember there was, I I won't mention any names, but there was an organization where they were trying to teach Filipino history as well to students and kind of like their culture and like what they should know. 
And I think I think that's great. And I'm glad that there are some people who really learn about their culture through history and what have you. But I remember, and I mentioned this in like a previous episode, when I used to do the the Justice for Filipino American Veterans marches or anything that was about injustice in the Filipino community, I didn't feel connected to it. And there was a part of me that felt guilty for that because even though my grandpa did serve in World War II, and also his brother who passed away in the Bataan March, I, I didn't feel like if for whatever reason, I, I just had this disconnect with that. Like I didn't feel like that was really part of my story. And so the purpose of this project uh, the Filipino American Woman Project is to not tell you who you should be as a Filipino American mm-hmm. woman. Just like mm-hmm. what you said, Nikki, this is about memorializing our stories because I think we can all sort of agree that we we we've kind of hit collectively hit a roadblock when it comes to figuring out like this experience. <laughs> yeah. But ho- hopefully, yeah. one day down the line, these stories will make so much sense to future generations. And that's all I'm hoping for is, is to one, understand that we all are kind of confused. So, ha, yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then secondly, like, but let's talk about it so that yeah. it, even if you are confused, you're not alone in it. And we can just kind of laugh about it together and figure it out together. Yeah. And this is Monica speaking. So Nikki and I have done a lot of work within the suicide prevention community. And one of the things I noticed was like the lack of representation of people of color until very recently and now it's like trendy to put like black and brown folks in your mm-hmm. fundraising campaigns but there was a study done with students in san francisco unified school district and um, pacific islander students had the highest levels of suicidal ideation out of any other ethnic group mm-hmm. in the district and i really wish that somebody had done that study when i was a depressed pacific islander teenager and so being able to share stories such a platform that's accessible to literally everyone is really important because there are those students out there that feel not seen and that feel like no one is doing the study, no one is noticing. And for me, had I had access to people that looked like me or had shared lived experiences with me, I think things would have been very different for a decade or two of my life where I felt alone. Yeah. Well, I feel good with all of you ladies on this call. And like like we mentioned, we may not have all the answers today, but just the fact that we can have this conversation is, I think, the start of healing or just our continual path of healing and just embracing what we are, whatever it is, and <laughs> and continue to live our lives and, and be our best selves. Speaking, speaking of which, let's go ahead and jump to today because it's one thing to talk about identity. And I think it's another thing to apply like all that we've learned about ourselves and our upbringing and our culture and our what our family raised us to value. And I'd love for, for both of you, Nikki and Monica, to share a snapshot of your life today. And more importantly, what keeps you busy and most excited about life? This is Monica. And I, a lot of things keep me busy. A couple years ago, I had like five jobs and now I have like three and I really like three. So (laughs) I am an artist by trade. I do illustration and also murals and sign work, sign like lettering, painted lettering. And I'm a yoga teacher. I teach three classes a week to adults and I teach sometimes with youth in the San Mateo school district for high school students and I'm also a Reiki practitioner so a week for me looks like teaching yoga three to four days a week working on a mural or on other design or art 
projects for clients three to four days a week. And then I do Reiki about every other Sunday. And then the rest of my time right now, what's getting me really excited and pumped about life is I am now an obsessive plant mom. And I have mm. a lot, I've accumulated a lot of house plants in the past three months. And I am really, <laughs> really excited about all the things they need. I have a lot of anxiety and my energy is really high. So getting to kind of funnel that energy into making things grow is teaching me a lot of patience and compassion. And that's keeping me very excited about life. I love that. I think you're the first like plant mom we've had on oh, the show. Yeah. And I also, you know, the Ruhita part of my practice is just that I study a lot of tarot. I'm like working with my spirituality as a way to heal ancestral trauma and to just kind of make the best life that I can for myself and also hopefully impact future generations. Even if I don't have children, then my future chosen ancestors. I really want to make this world as healing and peaceful as possible for them. She's, this is Nikki. She's leaving out a big piece of why I think it's important that she's doing a lot of these things. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to tell them. This is what I'm here for. (laughs) This is what we do. First of all, like if I ever need a kidney with our mixed background, she's the only one I'm going to be able to. (laughs) But the point is, I think that a lot of the work that Monica is doing, as she suggested, is in part about healing ancestral trauma, but she's also really deeply trying to make sure that things become more and more accessible to folks of color, folks who have really suffered through a lot of the world's kind of heaviest pains. And so her yoga class is not just some like yoga that's just like wonderful. It's actually like liberatory and trying to give people an opportunity to be in these bodies that day-to-day society is like, oh, it's just a shell. You're, you know, you don't matter. She's trying to give people an opportunity to feel really empowered. And I felt that even as her sister. She's not looking at me right now. So I'm sure I I, I hit something there when I said that. But sure, thanks. I love your guys' banter. <laughs> I know me too. <laughs> it makes me wish I had a sister. <laughs> well, we we can banter anytime you want, Nani. <laughs> I, I love how you mentioned healing ancestral trauma. I feel like the biggest thing that I've learned on the show so far, and I feel like Nani and I are probably gonna have a, a separate episode about this because we've we've already hit over twenty two hundred plays. And so I'm sure we're going to have an, yeah, I'm sure we're going to have another reflection episode to talk about it. But yeah, I feel like the, the most common theme or the common, yeah, common theme I've, I've learned on the show so far is about that ancestral trauma and realizing that whatever imposter syndrome I had growing up, whatever feelings of guilt or shame or not feeling good enough, I realized it, w- it wasn't just me. It, it, it was handed down to me from generation mm-hmm. to generation. And so I think, I think what you're doing, Monica, is a beautiful thing to really address, help people heal from ancestral trauma, because I think many of us still are not aware of it. I think we feel it. We just don't know how to identify it. And so I think what you're doing is, is beautiful. Thank you. And I just, I think it's really important, like what you said, reminded me of this is that a lot of the work I'm doing, my dad was kind of pushed into the assimilation factory, like as soon as he got here. Mm -hmm. So he was 
forced into ESL classes and he doesn't speak much Tagalog now and doesn't really have Filipino friends and doesn't feel super connected to this community. And since I started working more closely with the Filipino American community in the past few years, I have seen him connect more with some of the people at arts events and other cultural events. And so I'm hoping that through me doing this work of trying to heal my relationship with the community that it's helping him. And I know for a lot of our parents, they'll never be able to articulate what they've been through moving here so young. And I'm really hoping that some of the work we're doing can help them feel like someone finally understands. Yeah. I feel speechless. Like I wanted to say Sorry. something, but I, <laughs> I just, just get, know like, that hard, that fast. Yeah. Here I are. love it. Just, just know that I, I love everything you're doing and everything you both are saying and all that we're discussing. And it's just another reminder um, as to why it's important to for all of us to do the work that we're doing. So it's not just for our own healing, but it's for others as well. So I, I like being on this call right now. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I feel really good right now. I don't know. What do you think, Nani? <laughs> no, I think the same. And I want to... I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I know that this may be kind of leading into the next part of the interview, but I do want to hear kind of more about your journey with that and how you came to prioritize addressing that in your life and why that's become such an important thing to you. I think that there are a lot of people that, like Jen said, feel it but aren't able to identify it, and I think I'm probably one of them. So I would, I would just love to hear more about your experience of how you connect feeling it to identifying it and then taking it a step further and doing something about it, A, for yourself, and then B, for your community. I think that's beautiful. And I'd, I'd love to just hear how you came to that point. Honestly, I have no idea. Like I can talk it through, yeah. but off top, it just has been me trying to kind of bust down these doors and really figuring out how how my work fits in this community and and in other communities of color as well and mixed communities. But for the longest time, I just felt like it wasn't for me and that I was just going to be an artist. And it didn't really, I didn't want to have any attribution to like where I came from or like even at times my gender, because I was convinced that if people just saw my work and didn't attach what I looked like to the work that they would somehow respect it more. I went to a really fancy art college. I went to Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles. And so my experience being a Filipina and then being a mixed person there was really interesting and different. And so I felt super detached from my community for a really long time when I first came home. And I didn't know how my work was ever going to fit in any group. And so I started trying to apply for different group shows and different things. And I applied for a couple of shows that were Filipino centric, again, won't name any names. And I was actively kind of like baited and then rejected a lot for several years in a row from this community. And I'm sure these people know who they are. (laughs) And then as of a couple of years ago, started just being invited to be in these shows that were people of color centric and Filipino American centric. And there was a lot of performance art and a lot of culture bearing and a lot of skill sharing around these different backgrounds. So I started just kind of dealing with it and going in and just experiencing it really apprehensively, like super on pins and needles, like tiptoeing around on a Right, because you don't feel very like invited and and apt 
to to jump in and insert yourself into these situations if they've already made you feel so uncomfortable. So I think it's so it's interesting to me that you just even through those bad experiences, you continue to try that yeah. that gets me. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I talk a lot of shit, like a lot of shit. <laughs> It's so that I can walk back in with my head held high and so that I can walk back in after every like weird or disrespectful experience and say, no, I'm still here and I will define myself by my own terms. And if you can't handle that, then don't invite me to be on these projects. Don't ask me to come be a part of this community if you have to consistently ask for permission to be a part of this community. Or prove that, or prove that, you know, that I'm like Filipina enough. And so I've been uh, invited yeah. to several projects in the past three years that really opened my eyes to people who had similar experiences as I did, especially feeling isolated from the community or feeling sort of rejected from the community. And these people like, like yourselves are making their own things. Like we're going to just do it our way then. And so navigating that space has been really interesting and really hard. And it's, it's taken a lot of work on my part to process so that I can like move it on and I don't want it to be the source of like I don't want to feel resentful and I don't want to feel like ungrateful and I don't want to feel like I'm not a part of the community because then once you feel like you're not a part of the community then super traditional folks are like oh well you don't care about us anyway and so it's been a lot of back and forth it's not easy and I, I fight with it a lot every day even till up until this week I was invited to do something and I'm doing it and I'm doing it still apprehensively, but I know that it's really important for me to do it so that I can show up for the people that are trying to support me in this community. Cause there are a lot and it's just, it, yeah, it sucks. It's really hard, but I, I can't, I don't have a choice at this point. <laughs> I feel guided. Yeah. We, we, do, yeah. I would, we do have two kind of mentors that have been really supportive of both of us yes. in navigating our identity both were amazing Filipina American women. One is an artist, Jennifer Wofford. The other is an author and a poet, Arlene Biala. Yeah. They're amazing Bay Area folks who have continued to push us to just say, it doesn't matter. We got you. Yeah. You're great. Yeah. I love, love it. I've had that. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And now I'm becoming Ate in some of these circles. So it's a little, yeah. it's like a little interesting now that the, I'm now I'm Ate and now I'm You're hey, a baby elder. I'm like baby elder, like, hey, Ate, can you help me with this? Or like, I have this, I want to pick your brain for this project and see if it feels good. And so it's my duty now to show up. And there's a lot of folks showing up for me. So I have to kind of pay that forward and pay that back. Yeah, no, I love how you said that's kind of how I'm feeling about Jen lately. Like Jen's like my auntie now. Oh, <laughs> oh, I like I'll text her just to like vent sometimes. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I yeah. I uh, I definitely have I I find a lot of joy in I I don't like call me Ate, I don't mind, but I I my friends who consider me Ate's, I just tell them to talk to me like a friend, but I love being there for my friends. I, I, cause I have a sister that's five years younger than me. I've always felt very like motherly to her. And I think that's just kind of reflected in a lot of my female relationships. So I'm glad that I provide that for you, Nani. Um, it's not, it's not something I asked for, but I'm just glad that I make you feel that way. 
And our friendship is, is mutual. Like I've never met Nani yet. I have yet to meet her. Like we, we met through Instagram. Instagram, Um, She reached out. Yeah, this all started because Nani reached out on Instagram and she's all like, I, I want to get involved. I don't know how, but I wanted to just reach out to you and let you know I want to get involved. And I was like, well, do you want to co-host with me? And then that's how our relationship started. <laughs> but anyway, just thank you for that, Nani. And I'm glad that I can provide that to to you and my friends as well. It's It's a joy, especially since I don't have any close friends out here yet in Virginia. I just moved here about over a year ago now. And yeah, to still be that, to, to be that, to provide that to my friends in the West Coast is, is very gratifying for me. <laughs> well, it's gratifying for me too. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, my absolute pleasure. Well, uh, before we get ahead of ourselves, I want to make sure I, I didn't forget about you, Nikki. Uh, we'd love to hear what a day in life looks like for you and what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays. So I work for our local school district. I happen to, um, I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but I've been there for almost nine years, which feels like forever. But I, yeah, <laughs> for the last few, I have been sort of an educational policy analyst is exactly what it sounds like in many ways. There are two pieces of policy that our board of ed wrote that I'm tied to. One is to better support kids who have an incarcerated parent. So there is sort of this work around kind of supporting them with a concept that we actually kind of discuss this ambiguous loss of not knowing exactly what we're missing, but feeling like we're missing something. So all the feelings we were just talking about around not feeling connected to our community, but not being to name exactly why is kind of the same concept of ambiguous loss. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of neat that we talked about that, but I kind of design programs that support kids who are dealing with having a parent who's incarcerated in some way, shape, or form. And then also policies to better support kids who are homeless in San Francisco. And so the crazy thing about that that is so deeply tied to our identities and our backgrounds here as people of color who come from immigrant communities is that the law actually states it's not just kids who are living on the street outside of a shelter that get services under this kind of work, it's actually students who are doubled up or tripled up in single family dwellings. So when I think back to my dad arriving to the U.S. with his three brothers living in a home with hella cousins where he didn't know eggs were actually yellow because his auntie stretched them so much with milk that he just thought they were white, it would have been considered homeless. And I'd be kind of supporting and serving them if they lived in today's world. The other thing that's kind of interesting is a lot of our Filipino students, the, the highest concentrations of them uh, happen to live in neighborhoods and go to schools where they are still living in kind of SROs or single room occupancy hotel type spaces. Without meaning to, without knowing it, I feel like I am supporting and serving our communities, paying it forward, if you will, or paying it backward. I don't know what the exact uh, analogy I'm going for there is, but I do those things. And then I'm also supporting our district's counselors because that is the department that I sit in. Or a lot of the work that I'm working on is tied to really holding space and facilitating folks through professional learning communities. So I'm using a lot of jargon, educational jargon, but it's basically opportunities to bring adults together to examine how they're doing the work and how whatever issues they may have 
whatever baggage they may carry, whatever reflection they haven't done on who they are and how they show up in the work, making sure that that doesn't impact our kids. So Mm -hmm. giving folks an opportunity to have conversations almost like the ones we're having now where they're saying like, okay, what am I carrying into a classroom space or an education space that without meaning to could have major impact on how I'm teaching the kids I work with every day. And so that has been a lot of learning through practice, but I think that one of the things I enjoy most about it is that I know how hard and messy it is because I'm doing it every day, negotiating myself, my identity. So supporting other folks and doing it, it's easy to say like, yeah, it's hard and it's not a straight line. And sometimes you got it and sometimes you don't. And sometimes it's the whole Paula Abdul, multiple steps forward, multiple steps back. I can't even remember the lyrics, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I feel like the theme of this conversation is holding space holding space for people to explore their identities, for people to find healing. And it sounds like both of you, Nikki and Monica, are doing that in in the work that you do. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that and really applaud you for, for what you're both doing. I mean, I think she walked out of the room, just FYI. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that. So my fault. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Come back, Monica. <laughs> beautiful thing Jen just Sorry, said about I just, us. I really had to pee, you guys. <laughs> oh, that's totally fine. <laughs> I I, I was. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. You can listen to the recording after, but I can repeat what I can repeat what I said too. I was just saying. Are you back? Do you need I'm to go back. back to the bathroom? Okay. <laughs> I was I was just saying that I feel like the theme of our conversation today is all about holding space for for everyone to Oh no, Jen. Hello. Jen. Jen oh, you're no. not there. Damn. <laughs> she might have put herself on mute accidentally or something. <laughs> twice. Wow. I, I totally just kicked, I totally kicked myself out of my own room. That is so funny. Oh my God. And I missed it. Are we still recording? Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still recording. (laughs) Oh, that's good to know. Oh my God. That is, this, this is the second time this has happened to me. And I'm, we're going to have the best bloopers for this show. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I, oh my God, I can't wait to edit this and just like laugh the majority of the time. This is going to be so ridiculous. You can totally include me telling everyone that I had to pee. Like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. That's okay. I'm, I'm glad. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, let's, let's just kind of like, I want to get everyone's take on like holding space. So let's, let's kind of continue there. And oh my God, this is such a funny show that we're having so far. But yeah, anyway, I, I like, know we I, need a recap now. Where were we? <laughs> yeah. So basically my general take of, of our conversation today has been about holding space for everyone to find healing identity and, and everything. And so I wanted to uh, see with you, Nikki and Monica, if you even realize that's what you're you're doing in your professional work yes in that this has been a conversation we have had as sisters 
over the last, I would say the last year. We are people who random strangers tell their secrets to that you did not necessarily ask to know. Often you ask someone how their day is going and you get way more info than you really wanted. I think that something about us already was kind of in line with the universe to give us an opportunity to to be those people to hold space. Um, so we've kind of been unpacking what it looks like. For me, it's this very academic, not robotic, but it's it's much more formulated and that there's a time and a setting and a space and I'm facilitating and I'm asking probing questions or using protocols. For Monica, it's much more organic, trying to give her space to respond. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. And I think we all, not all of us, as adults, sometimes folks try to give what they didn't get when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not that nobody held space for us. It's just that I don't, I didn't feel like people were able to hold all that I was when I was yes. a teenager. Yes. And I was a lot. And so I think that now I want to be able to provide the space that I couldn't find within myself to other people. I want people to be able to realize how, how expansive they actually are and how brave and strong and, and well-equipped they actually are for all that they're experiencing. And so I think that's just like all the work that I do ends up being about that because it's so near and dear to my heart. And yeah, like Nikki said, like my first week, I used to teach high school. Mm-hmm. I taught high school for five years. And the first week I was teaching, we were sharing about our school experiences and a woman came up and cried at me after our first day. I did not know her. She cried at me and told me how touching my experience was. And this is just the kind of like, that's a a regular day in the life of Nikki and Monica, people telling us like really intense facts. And it's not bad. And I actually like love that they feel like they can express themselves. But I think that that skill, which I think holding space is totally a skill that's learnable, that skill transfers into all of our work naturally. And it's something that is woven throughout all of our work, whether we realize it or not. I think for the most part, I don't realize that, that I'm doing it. And that that's really what my work is mostly about. And mm-hmm. and for a very, like, it, it, it happens in our work really naturally, and it's awesome, and it's cool, but it also ripples out into other parts of our lives. Like, we seem very approachable. The number of times I have been asked in a Target by an older Filipina woman where something is in Taglish, and I'm standing there like, I'm not even wearing a red shirt, ma'am. we're just those people or when folks are lost and they they need directions yeah like asking me directions in hindi in india and i don't speak hindi so (laughs) so (laughs) we've come to accept it and so in our work it almost i think in different ways it's it almost feels natural wow and so when you if you were to ask us like how do you how do you hold space give us a step-by-step it'd be really difficult to potentially name some specifics yeah i don't think i could i could do it but it's practice it's really just practice and a little bit of improv a little bit of improv yeah it's very nuanced i think that what Mm. you guys had or actually in a previous conversation that we've had i think jen it was with um, marjorie where she had said something about that mixed kids are basically the new majority And I think that's especially true here in the Bay Area, because wherever you go, just like you just described, there are always people looking at you for questions or for answers. And there are questions that necessarily you don't, you've never heard or you've never thought about, or 
considered before, but they expect you know, to know the answers for whatever reason, whatever yeah. assumptions that they're making about you. And maybe that is something that we have to recognize that is in relation to our purpose. Like maybe that is what this is all about. Like our job is to hold that, that awkward space. And that's, I love that you said that because that I feel like I'm just going in my head with that now, but I, I like that you said that. I think that that's something that is maybe overlooked or underappreciated, but here, especially where we are and especially mm-hmm. in this space it's extremely important to hold that space and there's totally a shadow side to that whenever we go anywhere that is not a coastal city right like when you're mixed heritage and you're anywhere else people you're a total anomaly and people are really confused by you and you cause a lot of angst and discomfort for folks who really need people to like label everything and put you in a box for their own comfort like it's a really tough experience to go travel to other states, um, I always feel actually more comfortable in other countries than I do in other parts of the U.S. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. because I think that we definitely live in the by far most diverse part of the United States. So to go anywhere else, it's like we're in a complete bubble here in the Bay oh, yeah. Area, and mm-hmm. outside of that, it's like, oh, this is what America is like, you know? That was a college <laughs> experience. I went to college yeah. in New York. People were like. A couple people were like, what's a Filipino? I was like, really? We're really close to New York City and New Jersey, guys. That's right. <laughs> and the only <laughs> in my college experience where, like, the majority of folks looked like me were three months that I did an exchange to University of Hawaii at Manoa. And I was like, oh, man, this is what it's mm-hmm. like when everybody looks like you. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, like, we are so isolated and we forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, it gives us an opportunity to occasionally enter into many spaces and be the person who can kind of say, okay, I can hold space for others. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, one thing I think I miss about being in California is just how easy it was to walk into, like I knew where all the Filipino places were, at least in San Diego. Like I knew if I wanted a taste of a Filipino community, I could go to like National City or Mira Mesa. But being out here, it's it's funny because I, I live in Virginia Beach and it's a big military town. And so naturally there's there's supposed to be a lot of Filipinos here. And I'm told that there's a lot of Filipinos here. Yeah. Every time a white person sees me, like I remember, oh my God, I remember the one time I'm, I went to this meeting and this lady, she's all like, she's like, are you Filipino? I was like, yeah. She was like, oh my gosh, there is such a big Filipino community here. And I was like, I was like, what's that supposed to mean? You know, like it was just so funny because she didn't know who who I who I was. And I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna go find them and be with my people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, are you telling so, me like, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, I'll go there. But to to her credit, she was married to a Filipino man. So I think she wanted to like build that connection. Yeah. But still, it was very strange that she would say that. And then, and then I had another white lady say the same thing too. She was all like, are you Filipino? I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, like there's a big Filipino community here. And I was like, I was like, oh, are you white? There's a big white community here, you know? Right. <laughs> sometimes I just want to like do that to people sometimes, but, but should, yeah, I feel, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's, it is what it is. And I kind of just, I've learned to kind of like laugh at it and stuff, but I feel like that's, if anything, I feel like the best 
compliment or whatever I feel like I've received out here aside aside from that kind of slight insult I think of like are you Filipino there's Filipinos here is like when people look at me and I and they say where are you from and I say oh I'm actually from California and sometimes they'll respond you look like a Cali girl and I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) so I I felt I feel good about that so sometimes I wear I, I went to San Diego State so sometimes I'll wear my SDSU sweater and I get that almost every time I go out they're like is that San Diego State and I was like yeah he's like oh my son went there and I was like oh cool I'm from California they're like you look like a California girl I was like thank you You're like whatever that means <laughs> but yeah whatever that means but i appreciate if anything i if there's anything i've learned about the white community in general is that they're just trying to make a connection like they're just trying yeah. to like relate to you it's it's not the unbeknownst to them they don't realize how insulting it could be sometimes but i get like their intent yeah. so yeah anyway I, I think the good thing is that i haven't experienced any form of racism out here yet and so when i do that'll that'll definitely be on the show <laughs> but I, I won't seek it out either <laughs> well anyway ladies i am super excited because we are getting into really the last question and my favorite part of the show which is sharing a life lesson and a story that uh, had le- had led to that life lesson and so nikki and monica you wanted to share that despite being raised in the same household with an open and loving environment to define yourselves as women of color, however you choose, you both had to negotiate your identities in different ways, not just from each other, but in your own lives. And so I'd love for you to, I'd love for both of you to share what really that life lesson means to you and what aspect of your life led you to that life lesson. This is Nikki. I'm thinking about it a little bit. I think I have been really fortunate to maybe it's just age actually speaking, I I feel like I know who I am. And I know who I am now in a very deep and authentic way. While I have to wear office clothes to work, I am really going to try to wear sneakers whenever I can. I am someone who I don't really have a problem saying things like, hey, white lady. So Jen, I do recommend when you feel like you're in your power, just do it. Yes, ma'am. It's so liberating. (laughs) So liberating. But I I just, I really know who I am. And I think it's because of the fact that I've been able to openly question and play with and figure out where I am my most authentic self and what that looks and feels like. So that when I have some, some doubt, some imposter syndrome, don't get me wrong, I still have it too. I think that it just goes away a lot faster. as a result of being able to constantly engage in some kind of self-reflection. And it's because of all the reflecting I had to do growing up, reflecting I had to do in different communities I was a part of. I will say, Monica can speak to this differently if she wants, but we had a pretty large family function to go to this summer. And I was really dreading it. And I was dreading it because I didn't want the aunties to be like, oh, where's your boyfriend? Do you have a kid? Do you have this? Do you have that? Why aren't you married? <laughs> oh, um, man. Right? And so <laughs> dreading it. But as I had an opportunity to kind of share what I was doing, oh, my God, the aunties revealed themselves and they were like, oh, you know what? Men are a mess anyway. Stay single. You can travel. Don't you love having the bed all to yourself? I'm so <laughs> proud of you. With Monica, they were like, I saw you on TV <laughs> so, for one of the art projects she had done. I was on Balitong K twice last year. So, look, yeah, <laughs> it was nice. 
so I think that like that to me was a testament of all of the the struggle, the back and forth, the doubt when I know who I am and when I feel most in my power and like I am walking in my genius as a dear friend and mentor says, I, I can kind of do anything and those small things don't matter. Beautiful. I, I guess my, my biggest life lesson has just been kind of this rediscovery of the essence of who I was when I was younger, when I was like a kid and really free and open. We grew up in a really open-minded, open-hearted household. And so I've always known that I was going to be like a witch professional. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I always mm-hmm. had that like spirituality was going to play a big part in my life and that it was going to guide me constantly. So the past five or six years has been me rediscovering that. And it's not been like the most awesome time either you know, we talk about spirituality and finding yourself it's presented as this like really overwhelmingly positive full of light like light beams blowing out your butthole type situation and the honeymoon was over like a long time ago and so like get into your your practices of meditating or pulling tarot cards for yourself every day or lighting your lighting your candle and taking your himalayan pink salt baths and all this shit it it's beautiful and that's the stuff that's great about it and but what's really going to sustain you is the dirty part of self-care and the ugly part and so i think my biggest life lesson has been you know through all of the trials and tribulations and hard experiences that i've had since i was a teen knowing that that learning how to navigate that darkness and learning how to navigate those systems is what enables me to help people now and to lean into their own self-healer and into their own power has been the biggest lesson. And what kind of catapulted a lot of that is that I lost one of my closest friends to suicide when I was 16. And it kind of pushed me into a really, really bad depression for a long time. And then a couple of years later, my group of friends lost several people at a really young age before the age of 22, we lost a bunch of people. So learning to kind of navigate loss and grief and feeling like I wasn't a whole person and finding the whole time that I was and learning what that looks like and what that feels like to, to really embody little childhood Monica who knew the truth has been the biggest lesson. And it's taken a lot of reflection and learning and studying different modalities. I'm constantly have my nose in a book or doing heavy research on whatever my current hobby obsession is. Yeah, plants, plant hobbying and (laughs) taking online tarot courses so that I can read better for my friends and and strangers now and doing the Reiki trainings and doing all kinds of other training. I just finished my 500 hour advanced teacher training for yoga in the springtime. So I feel like just constantly learning about yourself and, and all the ways you can be more yourself is the thing. Wow. And scene. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And um, Nikki, Monica, I appreciate you both for being on our show today and sharing about your lives and what you're up to and how you hold space for yourselves and for other people. I can tell that you two would be great to hang out with when I visit San Francisco, yeah. putting yeah. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like that if has changed to a when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I actually was just talking to my husband recently. I was like, I have to go to San Francisco now because I have a lot of friends there. And and we were discussing actually road tripping to California sometime oh, next fun. year. Yeah. And actually yeah. like hanging out for a month. So I yeah. we're thinking about going to San Francisco and then probably down to San Diego so I can visit my mom. So as the show progresses and as the listeners check in with me, I feel like I'm beginning to map out uh, this trip. And I feel like I feel like it it's all possible because of this show and just all of your stories and how you all inspire me and really how a lot of our listeners are actually from the Bay Area. So yeah. only makes sense for me to come out there. <laughs> and we will eat. All yeah. of the soup dumplings when you get here. So just why did you eat soup dumplings? I don't know. Soup I just because we have to go. We to love soup dumplings. dumplings, so yeah. And that's the best way to bond is over food. <laughs> yes. Oh, agreed. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna wear all my loose clothing, and yeah. we're just gonna like eat everywhere and drink <laughs> everywhere. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm stoked about <laughs> it. Yeah. Your national or our people's love languages? Did you eat yet? Right. So. <laughs> That's somebody else's joke, but yes. That is so funny. I love that. Well, Nikki and Monica, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you both today. Nani, I wanted to see if you had any other uh, thoughts before we, we close out here. Yeah. I mean, I think it was Monica that had said something about self-care and that I think the key is really what you said is to realize that the dirty work is really the heart of that. Mm. And as fun as it can seem when you first start out on the self-discovery journey where it's kind of like, oh, I can figure things out for myself. And the first time you have like whatever epiphany that you that you have or whatever issues that they are that you're working through, it can feel really good and you feel like you gain a lot of momentum. But then it's like, you have to keep doing that. You have to repeat that process again and again and again. And the key is to really getting used to that and getting into that routine. So I, I like that you pointed that out as well. That's, that's all I wanted to add. Yeah. And then the fucked up part is that then you have to level it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to evolve. <laughs> yeah. Right. Damn it. <laughs> I would say that that's, that's also our other life lesson is that every time we get there we know that that means that we're going to have to evolve again yeah there is this saying I heard years ago they say every new level has a new devil and so mm. yeah yeah it's good it's true I was just telling like we had my husband and I had this create like crazy issues last year with some of our uh, previous colleagues and I was so fed up with them I was telling him I was like I just I just want new problems like I want new people to complain about and it's so funny because like months later like I I realized that I realized I was complaining about new people and I was like I'm happy to be here you know I was like cool like this is a good problem great yeah yeah. And so, no, I, I love it. And I just think we had such an awesome conversation today. I feel like I could talk to all three of you ladies for hours, but I know, I know that with our listeners, if uh, this resonated with you in any way, or you want to add to the conversation, just check out our show notes. You'll know how you can get a hold of us. And who knows, maybe we'll have Nikki and Monica back on in a future episode and check in with them. Nikki and Monica, do you two have any closing thoughts before we get into how people can get a hold of you? 
No. Oh, you can rewind and listen to something we said that resonated with yeah. you already. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I guess do you <laughs> relentlessly yes. do you and relentlessly. then do it again. Mm. That's Love good. That. Yes. And yes. and if it's messy, if it's messy, like that just means that you're creating more. Yeah. Bring a towel. You're yeah. fine. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Oh my gosh. I think I just figured out the title for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And bring a towel. A good sound bite. (laughs) Yes. Maybe a wet wipe. Maybe a wet wipe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Nikki and Monica, for I know I bet you our listeners will have will enjoy this conversation and will probably want to reach out to you. And if they do, if and when they do, how can they do that? So I'm going to give you just my Instagram because that is the, this is Nikki. That's the kind of most frequent place I post right now. And that is uh, Nikki with one K N I K I mag M A G totally T O T A L L Y Nikki mag totally. And that's my Instagram. I'm also going to give my Instagram because the great thing about Instagram is that it can link you to all the other things. So my main Instagram is magtotoart, M-A-G-T-O-T-O-A-R-T. And you can find all of my other Instagrams and my websites, plural, through there. (laughs) And if you like dogs, plants, and art, then you're going to get a lot of those on that one. If you don't so much, you can follow the other ones. Love it. And listeners, if you did not catch that the first time, that will be in the show notes because you know how generous I am when it comes to show notes. So awesome. Well, Nikki, Monica, and Nani, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with all of you. I, uh, I'm i not going to say I had the most fun on the show because I don't want to like put down all the other episodes, but I definitely enjoyed <laughs> I definitely you know what enjoyed. You're we know what you're saying. <laughs> but you know. You but you know. said it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure and I have enjoyed my evening speaking with all of you. And with that said, we want to thank our listeners for joining in as always. We look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Have a good one. For people that are getting to know you for the first time, and I know we kind of alluded to some of this already, but I'd love for you two to share a snapshot of your life. What's up? We're booting the other dog out now. I'm so funny. That's so funny. Nani, you're next. Nani, your dog is next. Well, I don't know if you guys heard him bark earlier. (laughs) My dog was barking earlier when when someone was talking. I don't know if you guys heard it or not. No. No, mine started like rubbing her head on the ground and growling to herself. So I just had to kick her out. I love it. I love it. I think I think I did. I think I did hear a dog bark. That was probably your dog, Nadia. I was gonna like say something about it. I know I didn't want to say anything because someone else was talking. I didn't want to interrupt, but there was there was someone walking by, and my dog is just very defensive. He doesn't like anyone within like ten feet of us. Yeah, yeah, sorry, so it got really rowdy in here, so I'm sorry for interrupting. It got really rowdy, so just oh, don't worry. <laughs>
this is why this is why this is edited because I get to cut out these things and put it at the end of the show if I wanted to. Peak of your your speech, and then all of a sudden, just like. No, it's fine. I can repeat what I said. I I I know what I said. Yeah. Okay. All right. So is the department that I sit in. But by and large, I is the dog doing something crazy? Is that the department I sit in. Oh, that's the department I sit in was funny. I'm sorry. Anyway, answer. <laughs> <laughs> a little pause there. You can edit whatever you want out of that part. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not that self-confident. Do whatever you want, Jen. I trust you. Okay, um, I I promise I won't make you look. I promise I won't like make you look bad. Uh, let's just put it that way. No, this, you know what? This is my authentic self. It's all good. Um, the other piece of work that it. I do 